In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. And with My dear friends in Christ, I want to welcome you all here for this Catholic Women's Conference. Uh, the theme of today's uh, conference is The Light Shines in the Darkness. Christ is the true light of the world. He banishes the darkness of error and sin. Today we offer a special votive mass of Mary, pillar of faith. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. and eternal God, you gave the Blessed Virgin Mary, glorious mother of your Son, as a pillar of strength to all who call upon her aid, grant through her intercession that we may be strong in faith, unwavering in hope, and steadfast in love, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. A reading from the letter to the Hebrews. Brothers and sisters, faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Because of the ancients were well attested. By faith, we understand that the universe was ordered by the word of God so that what is visible came into being through the invisible. By faith, Abel offered to God a sacrifice greater than Cain's. Through this, he was attested to be righteous, God bearing witness to his gifts. And through this, though dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was found no more because God had taken him. 
Before he was taken up, he was attested to have pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For anyone who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, warned about what was not yet seen, with reverence built an ark for the salvation of his household. Through this, he condemned the world and inherited the righteousness that comes through faith. The word of the Lord.
be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. Then from the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, the disciples no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. Then they asked him, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He told them, Elijah will indeed come first and restore all things. Yet how is it written regarding the Son of Man that he must suffer greatly and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, once more I welcome you to this Catholic Women's Conference entitled, The Light Shines in the Darkness. We walk by the light of faith. Faith, St. Paul tells us, is the substance, really, the fulfillment of what we hope for. The last two weeks at weekday mass, we have been hearing from the book of Genesis. But today, we hear from the letter to the Hebrews, which recounts the beginnings of faith. Abraham is rightly called our father in faith. He hoped against hope that he would be given a son. He was given Isaac, and he offered to God Isaac. But actually, today's letter to the Hebrews, the passage from Hebrews, begins even before Abraham. It begins with Adam's son, Abel. 
the author of the letter to the Hebrews says that faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. By faith, we understand that all of the universe, the whole of creation is ordered by God and toward God. Then it goes on to say, by faith, Abel offered to God a sacrifice greater than Cain's. By faith, he did this. Abel and Cain both offered something to God. God found Abel's sacrifice pleasing. God was not pleased with Cain's sacrifice. Abel offered the best of what he had, the best of his little flock to God. He didn't simply go through the motions. Rather, in faith, he made this offering. Why have you come here today? What is it that you hope to offer to God? Will you offer God the best of what you have, the best of who you are? What are you prepared to sacrifice to God? And it's not just what we sacrifice to God, but the love with which we make the sacrifice to God. Abel's faith went hand in hand with his love for God. He was in a living relationship with God. And so he offered rightly, unlike Cain. The author of the letter to the Hebrews goes on to speak of Enoch. Enoch is a somewhat mystical character. He only appears briefly in the book of Genesis in the fifth chapter. We hear that Enoch walked with God and he was taken up to heaven. The letter to the Hebrews also speaks of Enoch here. Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death but it was by faith he was taken up. And he was found no more because God had taken him. Before he was taken up, he was attested to have pleased God. St. Therese, the little flower, says that the most important thing is to be pleasing in the sight of God. Sin displeases God. Righteousness or justice is pleasing to God. Are you pleasing in the sight of God. Sometimes we think if I just do more and more good works, that will be enough, as if God was some type of master accountant. But we cannot save ourselves. We cooperate with God's grace. Faith tells us that salvation comes to us in Christ Jesus. Am I pleasing in the sight of God? St. Therese says, well, look, I'm not going to count up all the good things I've done. In fact, I've done very little, all these things. They are a paltry sum. I will go to God empty-handed, and since God has great love for the poor, I will be found pleasing in his sight. We have to cooperate, but in a little way, to be pleasing in the sight of God. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For anyone who approaches God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. St. Augustine famously said, if you have seen love, you have seen the Trinity. Why is it that so many people today do not believe? Why is it that 50% of those baptized as Catholics who reach age 30 no longer profess any religion whatsoever? And why is it that half of those cease to believe by age 13? Do they see love in their midst? Do they recognize the love of God all around them? 
We need faith in order to be saved. And it's impossible to please God unless we believe that he exists. That's the first thing. Does he, in fact, exist? When we look out at the created world, we should ask, who made all these things? Are we simply the product of a Big Bang and nothing more? Or is there something beautiful? When we look at a face of a newborn child, perhaps that is the greatest proof for the existence of God, the complexity and the innocence of a child. But we must also believe that he rewards those who seek him. Do we seek the face of God? And what is that reward? What is that reward that is worth more than any human suffering? What is the satisfaction of the heart's desire for that which is true and good and beautiful? If it is not God himself and heaven where God dwells, this is the hope which we all hold in faith. The author of the letter to the Hebrews goes on to say, by faith, Noah warned about what was not yet seen, with reverence built an ark for the salvation of his household. God saw how unjust the world was, how dark the world had become, but he saw a singular shining light in the darkness, and it was Noah. And he took pity. He had compassion and mercy. And because of Noah's faith, because of Noah's righteousness, he spoke to Noah. And Noah heard God's voice. He had faith and reverence for the living God. And though everyone thought Noah was foolish, he did what God was asking of him in faith. And he built an ark. And no one bothered to say, hey, Noah, what are you doing there? Why are you building this ark? No one bothered to say, look at all the evil around us. Maybe I should change. Or maybe God does, in fact, exist. And what happened? The waters came and destroyed everything except for Noah and his family and the animals that were in the ark. But God put his rainbow in the sky as a sign of his covenant, of his eternal love for all of creation. And there was a new beginning in the world. All of this happened by faith. The book of Genesis recounts the creation story. But in Christ, the new creation begins. But Christ was born of a woman of faith. The Blessed Virgin Mary, and we are offering a votive mass of the Virgin Mary, the pillar of faith. She did not understand, but she believed. Let it be done to me according to your word. From the invisible overshadowing of the Holy Spirit came forth the visible, the Son of God, in the flesh, to begin the new creation, the redemption of the world. The fathers of the church said, Mary conceived in her womb by faith, by hearing God's word, and by responding generously with her fiat. Let it be done to me, according to your word, her surrender. To God. Here, a woman of faith changed the course of human history by being open to the promises of God. Like her ancestors in the faith, she hoped. 
the Messiah. She hoped for something better for her people. And so when it came time, probably more surprised than anyone else was the virgin when the archangel Gabriel appeared to her. But on her depended the hope and salvation of the entire world. And her son was the world's true light. The shepherds saw the angelic host, they who were the poor and lowly of the earth. The glory of the Lord shone all around them, the angels. And the shepherds went over in hope that they, the Messiah had appeared. The wise men, they followed the light of the star. And even when they lost sight of the star, they continued to seek it. And then when it appeared, they rejoiced with an abounding joy, but still greater was their joy when they found the virgin and her child. The end of their quest. The beginning, really, and the end of their quest. The world's true light. And by the light of faith, they went back by another route. Jesus was the true light of the world, and he was revealed as the Son of God at his baptism. The voice of the Father was heard, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. These are the same words we hear in the Gospel of the Transfiguration from St. Mark today. Jesus has gone up Mount Tabor and is transfigured before Peter, James, and John. But let us consider the structure of the Gospel of Mark. Scripture scholars tell us that Mark's Gospel is, if you exclude the ending which they say is added later, it's exactly 1,600 lines in Greek. It begins with the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It ends in line 1,600 with the centurion. Truly, this man was the Son of God. Both are proclamations of faith. Smack dab in the center, St. Peter's confession of faith. Who do people say that I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. St. Mark's Gospel is all about revealing who Jesus is and bringing people to faith. He is truly the Son of God. But after Peter's great confession of faith, Jesus tells him that the Son of Man will have to suffer and die and be put to death, and then he will rise. Peter doesn't have to want to have anything to do with that. Jesus is telling his disciples, you can't be my disciple unless you take up your cross daily. And they don't want to have anything to do with that. But Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem to fulfill his destiny of being the Redeemer. He will have to suffer and die. And his disciples' faith will be shaken. The darkness will come. St. Leo the Great says that the account of the transfiguration was a foreshadowing of the resurrection. It was to give his disciples strength when he would be taken from their myth, midst, when the cross would come in their life, when they would see him suffer and be put in the tomb. It was the first shadow, the first light of the new creation and the promise of the resurrection, so to speak. Jesus is there upon Mount Tabor, and he is conversing with Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. 
and Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Faith is the realization of what is hoped for and evidence of things not seen. Jesus is now showing his disciples something. He wants them to see that there is glory after the suffering. This is the realization of what is hoped for, the resurrection of the flesh, eternal life, and joy. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Moses led the Hebrew people from slavery in Egypt through the Red Sea to freedom. Moses led the people through a first Passover. Elijah was one of the greatest of the prophets, and he was taken up in a whirlwind with the glory of the Lord all around him and the great chariot, the Shekinah of the Lord. His was also a sort of a Passover from this world into the next. When the Messiah was to come, the Hebrews thought that Elijah would first return. He did return in the person of John the Baptist, but then the Messiah was there in their midst in the person of Jesus, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. But Jesus would have to go through the true past, the true Passover, from death to life and suffer the grave. We all are confronted because of the sin of our first parents with suffering and death. We who are made for eternity must confront this reality but we must confront it with faith. We should not be afraid of it if we are pleasing in the sight of God. What does the transfiguration teach us? That there is hope, there is glory, if we are faithful to him. My mother was a great woman of faith, raising five boys. She taught us how to say our prayers. She fed us our food. She ironed our clothes. She made our lunches. She did all of those things. She made us say our morning offering each day to carry out a devotion to the Sacred Heart. She made us carry our rosaries in our pockets to pray the rosary each day. All of these things, she was a great woman of faith. But as she aged, she who set out to a new world to make a life with her husband and children, as she aged, she had to confront many things. She came to the new world, having just lost both her parents. And yet it was her faith that sustained her. She raised five boys, and it was her faith. She used to make a, add prayers to the end of the rosary. One Our Father, one Hail Mary for the poor souls in purgatory. One Our Father, one Hail Mary for peace in the world and the family. One Our Father, one Hail Mary that your father will stop smoking and drinking. <laughs> For 25 years we prayed this, and I kid you not, on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception in 1992, my father stopped entirely, both. She believed. My mother was a great woman. She had two master's degrees, an ed specialist degree. She was a counselor. She worked with battered women. She worked with persons with disabilities. She worked with minorities. But near the end of her life, she had Parkinson's. Two and a half years before she died, she lost her husband, the love of her life. But she persevered in faith. It was a great grace that my brothers and I, just before she died, were able to be with her. I was able to bring her all the sacraments. 
Uh, she was clear-minded that day. And so I uh, gave her absolution, anointed her, gave her the apostolic pardon, gave her viaticum, and then afterward, my brothers and I, uh, having, I also gave her the anointing of the sick, and then we prayed the rosary together. And that was the last time I saw my mother alive. But she was not afraid of death. She was not afraid of the darkness of the grave. Why not? Because the light shines in the darkness. To say I will share in the suffering of Christ, to say that I will share in his death, is to say also that I will share in his descent among the dead, where God's love penetrated even the depths of hell, is to say that I will share in Christ's victory over the grave. I will share in the fact that he has carried off the devil's trophies and brought them into his kingdom of marvelous light. And I will share in his life. By faith, my mother believed this, and so she lives. Sometimes we can make our faith very, very complicated all the different teachings of the Catholic Church, the things you would find in, our, in the catechism. This is what theologians call the fides quae. But we also need to have an act of faith. The fides quae could simply be summarized. The word of God was made flesh, he suffered in the flesh, he died in the flesh, and he will give eternal life to all those who will adhere to him before he has risen in the flesh. This is the promise, this is our hope, this is what we hope for and will be fulfilled. The fides qua is the act of faith. Pope, the late Pope Benedict XVI described it very simply. Faith is taking our stand with Christ so as to live with him. Taking our stand with him so as to live with him. Do we have this degree of faith? The just man lives by faith. Do I live by faith? Do I offer by faith? Am I pleasing to God by faith? Do I revere God, have that holy fear of the Lord as Noah did, and so have the promise of salvation? The Blessed Virgin Mary is a pillar of faith. In faith, she said, let it be done to me according to your word and brought forth the world's world salvation. But it was by faith she suffered the fact that she had no proper home for her child to be born in. She suffered the fact that Herod wanted to kill all the children, including her own. She suffered the fact that she had to leave her family and go with Joseph into Egypt. She suffered from everybody else's stares. But in faith, She's trusted in the word of God. One must wonder what her faith must have been like during the darkness of her son's trial and passion. But the light shines in the darkness. One must have wondered, what is it that allowed her to faithfully stand by the cross of her son when everyone else fled in fear? Here we see the power of faith. 
Although the Gospels themselves recount that the Lord revealed himself to Mary Magdalene, in the spiritual exercises, St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits, has a different meditation that Jesus first appeared to his mother to share the joyful news that he had risen from the dead. Why is it that others were shaken and she was not? Because she believed that everything he ever said was true, including the words, I am the resurrection and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. And the transfiguration reveals to us the light of the resurrection, the first light of it. It will be so bright when it comes on the last day in the resurrection of the flesh, we won't be able to believe what it is that we are seeing, but we shall see the face of God and rejoice with him forever. This is our hope, this is our destiny, and it is for this that we are made. But if we are to get there, then we must listen, as Mary did. She who conceived through hearing and conceived through faith. What is it that the Heavenly Father speaks in our gospel? This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Do we listen to the voice of God? And do we respond in faith as Mary did? For without faith, we cannot please God. The disciples came down from the mountain. St. Matthew's gospel gives a different account of when they come down from the mountain. Here in St. Mark, we hear that the Son of Man again will be treated with contempt and suffer greatly. In St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus comes down from the mountain. You see this depicted in St. Peter's Basilica. You come out of the sacristy, you're headed toward the main altar, but as, to your left is Raphael's painting, famous painting of the Transfiguration. But if you look at it closely at the bottom, there is a young boy, lunatic in Greek, who is being tormented by a demon. And everyone is terrified. And when Jesus comes down from the mountain, they, he casts out the demon. And his disciples, why could we not cast it out? For this type, it takes faith. Our world is dark. There are demons who prowl about seeking the ruin of souls. And they take different and subtle forms. Yet we are consoled by the prologue of St. John's Gospel. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome the light. No matter what darkness this world brings, it can always be confronted in the power that comes from faith. Faith in Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Faith in Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection and the life. Faith in Jesus Christ, who says, know that I am with you always, even until the end of time.
Now, with great confidence and faith, let us turn to the Heavenly Father to pray for the church, the world, and all those in need. For the church, that she may always be united in the same mind and purpose to proclaim the Paschal mystery, salvation through the cross and resurrection of Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the leaders of the nations, that they would promote life, peace, and justice, and work together for the common good, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our local community and its needs, that we would act as witnesses to the love and mercy of Christ as we love our neighbors as ourselves, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the women gathered here or at home who are with us in spirit today to recognize and respond to their baptismal callings with God's grace, to rekindle and recommit their lives to loving and service of God, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all who suffer from the pain of physical or mental illness, that they may be strengthened by the light that shines in the darkness through the healing presence of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. And for the souls of the faithful departed, that they may enjoy the light of Christ's holy face and peace, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Almighty and eternal Father, you once looked with favor upon the Blessed Virgin Mary. Look with favor now upon your church and upon these women of faith. Grant us what we ask for in faith so that we might serve you in holiness and come one day to that place where you dwell in unapproachable light. We ask this in all things through Christ our Lord.
Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Lord, O Holy Father, you have enlightened our minds with the light of faith. Grant that through the intercession of the loving Mother of the Redeemer, our offerings and prayers may keep us steadfast in faith and untiring in love. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, for the many wonders of love and grace poured out upon the Blessed Virgin Mary by your loving kindness. You kept her untouched by the stain of original sin and the corruption of the grave. Spotless in her virginity, she became the fitting shrine from which Christ was born to be revealed as the light of the nations and the bridegroom of the church. Bathed in the glory of her Son, she shines upon his people as a star of hope and a pillar of faith. In our unending joy, we echo on earth the song of the angels in heaven as they praise your glory forever. gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy. And you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me.
the mystery of of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven. And as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself, grant that we, who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you so that we may obtain inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, and your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May the sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world, be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on, our, on earth with your servant Francis, our Pope, and with Earl, our Bishop, the Order of Bishops, and all the clergy and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this, your family, that you have summoned here before you. In your compassion, O merciful Father, gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life, give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and Savior's command and form by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom and power and glory are yours now forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace, I leave you my peace, I give you. Look not at our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will. 
who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other a sign of Christ's peace. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
If there is anyone who has not received a bishop consecrated some some more of the Blessed Sacrament. So please come up now if you have not been able to receive Holy Communion. Let us pray. Lord our God, present in your church in many ways, we thank you for the sacrament we have received and pray that with the support of the Blessed Virgin Mary, we may be true to the faith on earth and so enjoy the vision of your glory in heaven. 
through Christ our Lord. Amen. And now we have a special prayer of blessing of the women. Almighty and eternal God, our Lord and Heavenly Father, behold us assembled for the greater glory of your divine majesty. Shed upon the hearts of the faithful women gathered here your light and truth, that they may understand and appreciate the dignity and duties of their vocation. Give them not only light to know, but strength to fulfill to the end your divine decrees. Grant that they may lead others to the knowledge of your infinite love and mercy. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Again, I thank you all for your presence here today. I especially thank our choir for making beautiful music uh, for the Lord and leading us in divine worship. Uh, I hope you enjoy this day. Know that your bishop is close to you. I ask that you share the fruits of this day with your husbands, with your children, with your children's children, with all those whom you encounter. You know, the light shines in the darkness, but Jesus also says, let your light shine. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord, now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Aid heaven and earth, and may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord with your life. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God.
Good morning and welcome again to the 15th annual Columbus Catholic Women's Conference. Yes, big applause, this is huge. I am Debbie Giorgiani and I'm delighted to be your MC for the entire day. I flew in very late last night from Arizona. The flight was delayed multiple times. I thought it was gonna be canceled. So of course, with that kind of resistance, right, we know that this is going to be the most fantastic conference. Way to go.